0: Hi everybody, it's Paul, the host of the Nonpartisan Evangelical, and old Pastor Paul, the TikTok pastor. What happens if you've been a part of a cult? We're going to talk to somebody who's been in one today. First, let me encourage you to join our NPE Patreon community so you can hang out get more. When I do these podcasts now, when we talk to Lacey, who's going to be our guest, I do special live things in our NPE private group, and that's a a Facebook group that you can only get access to by being a part of our nonpartisan evangelical Patreon community. And there's a whole bunch of other cool things you get for being a part of the community and you help support... The work that I do through the nonpartisan evangelical and the old Pastor Paul. So I hope you'll join me in the Patreon community. We've got book groups coming up, a lot of fun things. So I want you to join. How do you do it? Go to my website, pastor-paul.com, click on that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner, or if you're on a device, you're gonna to have to go straight to the Patreon site. And you do that by going to patreon.com slash N P E podcast. That's Nonpartisan Evangelical, NPE, so the website is patreon.com slash podcast. I want you to join, and we'll have lots of fun together. Now we're going to talk about my guest today. Lacey Bean is a blogger, and she does a really cool blog for moms, and she's also a survivor of... Let's call it religious trauma. We'll talk more about that in some upcoming podcasts. But she was a part of a very controlling, if not cult-like religious group, if not just being a part of a cult itself. And she talks about the recovery of that journey and how she's continuing to work her way through it and rethink some of her beliefs around Christianity that she grew up with while not leaving the faith behind. I think you're going to find this conversation really interesting. She's an amazing woman. So stick around and join us for this conversation with Lexi Bean, the deeply rooted mom, right here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at NPE.com. For those willing to listen, learn, learn and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the nonpartisan evangelical podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb And calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Paul Swearengen with you, Pastor Paul, the nonpartisan evangelical, and this is the NPE podcast today. Glad you're with us. And um, We have a wonderful guest today that's going to talk about a journey of reconstruction. Remember, what we talk about a lot on here is it's okay to think, it's okay to doubt, it's okay to inspect your beliefs. In fact, I think the Bible commands us to do it. And so, somebody that's been on that journey for a while is our guest today, Lacey Bean. And she is an author that hasn't put her book to pen yet, but it's coming. And we believe you can voice that before it happens. And also, the author and uh, founder of a blog called The Deeply Rooted Mom. Lacey, glad you're with us today. How are things in Idaho, where you are?
1: Hi, I'm good. I'm so glad to be here. It's actually really sunny outside, which is making me. Desperately want summer to come right away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're a deeply rooted mom. and Tell us about your family. How many kids do you have and that make you a deeply rooted mom?
1: So I am a mom. I've been married for coming up on 10 years. I have three daughters, six, four, and one and a half. So I, needless to say, my hands are full 90% of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, trying to start up a business and a blog, and COVID jumps in the middle of all of that, so it's quite a crazy time, huh?
1: It is, and my husband started a business this year. We we just saw the crazy and decided to jump in with both feet, apparently.
0: Other than that. So tell me about the Deeply Rooted Mom, and, and we're going to get into other aspects of your story, but what is the mission and purpose? What does that name mean, the Deeply Rooted Mom?
1: So... I One of my biggest desires uh, is to help women, especially moms, not lose themselves in the chaos of motherhood because motherhood is, for the blanket term, is just chaotic with kids and running a household or working on the side or from home or out of the home. It doesn't matter really what it is, but it it can be very chaotic. And a lot of times we lose ourselves in it. We lose ourselves in the day-to-day. So my mission is to help moms see that they don't have to lose themselves and they can thrive amongst the chaos. And so I just offer tips for motherhood, chasing your dreams, building strong families. And that's a journey that I'm on as well at the moment. I'm definitely far from perfect from any of that. Uh, But I just like to offer my help and support and just community in those ways. So I call it the deeply rooted mom, but I'm not the only deeply rooted mom. It I see as every woman that they can be same deeply rooted because trees, they are deeply rooted and they get stronger by being pushed and swayed by the wind. And so when we pour into ourselves and make ourselves stronger, it just makes us have the ability to withstand when life throws a curveball at you or you get dealt a bad hand one month or something like that it helps you stay strong and deeply rooted
0: that's good so the trials of this season are actually good for us long term huh
1: yeah. long term
0: <laughs> moms and dads i assume but yeah that's really cool so that's at the deeply rooted mom.com. don't forget the the at the yeah. start then we'll talk a little bit more about that but I, I do love, and you and I have been getting to know each other, and uh, I'm getting the honor of getting to coach you a little bit, and, and I love that, and we met through social media. And knowing your story now, and, and I was saying in the, the lead-up to introducing you, that you're on a journey, and I've been on this journey for a while of, wow, do I still believe what I used to believe? And those get scary and so i'm excited to hear about your journey would you say that you are what would you how would you classify the journey you're on in your life right now
1: i for the longest time was not sure how to classify it until i i think it was one of your podcasts i was listening to it was an interview i don't remember their names but it was two sisters and one of them said the word deconstruction or maybe you said it and i was like oh my gosh that's exactly what i'm going through right now is Just a faith deconstruction, but I see the kindness of the Lord coming in and not only just deconstructing, but also reconstructing at the same time. So, it's a breakdown and a rebuild all at the same time, which is beautiful.
0: Yeah, that's Steph and Katrina, the sisters I talked to. That is a great podcast. And So, how do you classify deconstruction, reconstruction in your life?
1: Okay expand on that a little more
0: sometimes. I mean what yeah what made you what did you hear that you said ah oh, that's it what does that look like what does deconstruction look like I, I under you're a Christian obviously yeah. I'm hearing yeah. in what you say and so what does deconstruction in a Christian life look like for you
1: so for me it started with the topic of abortion and that started about a year and a half ago and I'm not exactly sure what triggered it but I just had the realization that the way that we're approaching abortion as a whole, as a community, as Christians, I realized it was not helpful, especially to the women who are put in these situations and have to make these decisions, that if I was a woman in those shoes, that I would not feel supported or loved by the Christian community. And that just broke my heart. So it started with me writing a letter on my blog. Uh, titled, To the Woman Who Had an Abortion. And it's basically just an apology letter to the women, like how they've been treated by the Christian community and how we they've just got the short end of the stick. And it's not really debating whether the fact of whether abortion's right or whether it's wrong. It's just how we have handled it or how we have not supported these women in these decisions and counseled them afterwards as a whole has not really been there. Some people do it, some churches do it, just as a whole, that's not really what we do. So, it started with that, and then it slowly went into the politics of 2020. (laughs) And I... So, this
0: is a recent development in your life,
1: huh? Yeah, majorly 2020. So, 2019 was when I made the connection with abortion, and then 2020 was my view on politics changed drastically and it was it was over time this was over a six-month period where i i stood alone in in the fact that i had decided that i would not be voting for trump which i was a trump voter in uh 2016.
0: Um, okay wow that's that's, that's big
1: (laughs) that is big Uh, unfortunately i highly regret that vote now looking back were you
0: like proudly staunchly a trump voter or were you just "Eh, i guess i'll vote the republican guy
1: i think that in the beginning i was not into politics i was one of those people that was like if it's a republican i'll just put my little check by it because i was made to believe that like if you're a christian you just vote republican i grew up in texas and down south so that kind of that that helps you understand (laughs) but so i just i wouldn't even i wouldn't even Research the candidates or anything like that. I just, oh, Republican, cool, you're pro life is how I voted. And then I realized the issue is way bigger and there's way more to it. And TikTok honestly was <laughs> like the place that really helped open my eyes. And I started not commenting, I just started listening to the other side and tried to take it in without accepting it as truth, but also holding my view with an open hand and then trying to see where I set in the middle of both of those and make my decision and in reality I fell very left side on a lot of these issues and I had for some time and I just couldn't as a Christian vote for Trump. I just couldn't do it because I don't think he aligns with Jesus himself and that was and I know that's not the most widely accepted view. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, so I love that term, hold, hold with an open hand. Yeah. I say this often, let's hold our theology loosely. Otherwise, we become really staunch. So, describe that, because we honestly are a little bit afraid of holding an open hand, I think, on our beliefs in the evangelical church. We're afraid of being deceived or not discerning or false yeah. teachers. We hear all those things a lot. So, how did this open hand happen, and what did that look like for you?
1: For me… It looked, it just looked like not talking and listening. And cause I think that's a lot of the time is we come at it in a defense and when somebody's not agreeing with our side and we don't truly listen to where they're coming from. We just hold so strongly, hold on to our beliefs. It's what I call right fighters is we feel like we are so right. We're going to fight you to the death on it and no no growth can happen when you're holding so tight to a belief. And I think it comes because of a fear of wanting, of not wanting to admit that we're wrong or that we believe something that probably, you know, was not true or vice versa. So I think it comes from that. And I honestly, for me, it came to, okay, Jesus's greatest commandment was for us to love And I saw that was the one area that we lacked the most in as a Christian and evangelical community. And I realized, okay, I want to do better at loving. And that's what's funny is in 2020, the Lord, I always pick a word for the year. And the Lord told me my word was love. And I was like, okay, are you serious? That's so bland. (laughs) And I felt that he said to me, I'm not going to show you the love that you have for others. I'm going to show you the love I have for Mm -hmm. others. And I instantly started thinking of the rape, the rapist and the murderer and how Jesus loves them unconditionally. So I was like, okay, you're going to show me that love. and Oh, dear Lord, that was a journey. And I'm so glad that was the word he showed me because it just helped me realize the areas that I wasn't showing love in my Christian walk. And I was holding too tight to beliefs. Which was in turn hurting other people and not being what Christ asks us to be or show love like he asks us to show.
0: Hi, everybody. Paul here. Let me interrupt and say I hope you're enjoying this fascinating conversation with Lacey. But I want to tell you real quickly about some other opportunities you have to engage with our community here, particularly through my TikTok group, the Old Pastor Paul, the TikTok Pastor Community. We do a live Bible study on Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. Pacific time, and I do it live through TikTok and my YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is the Old Pastor Paul YouTube channel. And every Saturday morning, 9 a.m., we join together live on TikTok and on YouTube. You can come through either platform and hear me just take a a portion of the Bible and start to break down a little bit about what we're reading there. I really love to do this. I think I have a unique viewpoint and a way of of making the Bible digestible and understandable, and I want you to join. So that's Saturday mornings at 9. Then at 10.30, my wife and I get together, and those are Pacific times, by the way, and she and I just sort of do a debrief of our week together, and people have told us they really enjoy it. Sometimes we're like, Who cares about our debrief? But some of you have said it it really is helpful for you as you're processing your own life through. So I want you to join us for that. We also do a Sunday morning spiritual gathering at 10 a.m. on Sundays, 10 a.m. Pacific, where we share life and we share the Christian tradition of taking communion together. All of that information, you can find out more by going to my website, pastor-paul.com will take you there. You can sign up for our newsletter. It'll tell you when all these things are happening, or you can go to the event page on my podcast website there, and it'll give you all the details. Saturday morning Bible study, Saturday morning Paul and Ashley live debriefing the week, and Sunday morning spiritual gathering and communion sharing. You don't have to be Christian to be there, by the way, just wanting to share your spiritual life with others. All the information on my website, pastor-paul.com, and go to the events contact page, and it'll tell you how to get there. Now let's go back and talk to Lacey Bean, the deeply rooted mom, and her journey as a Christian right here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. Yeah, so love for the racist, that, or love for the rapist, I should say. Sorry, I just did a video on racism. I've got it on my mind. But love for the, the rapist, that's a little bit hard for people.
1: It's still hard for me. I, it, yeah. Ugh.
0: So people would say, yeah, but they're, so they get away with it. They just say their sin, they, they've confessed their sin and it's all good. What do you think? I
1: think that's a twofold question. And here's the thing, is that no matter what your action is, there's always going to be consequences to it, whether, especially here on earth, and you can be forgiven and you can have redemption, but that doesn't change that you still have consequences for your actions here on earth. And there may be, I don't know, maybe consequences in heaven. We all have our, our judgment day in front of the Lord, and we don't know what that, looks like, and it's one of those ones that you have to make yourself right with the Lord, and we can't put that judgment on you. We don't know your heart or where you stand. Only the Lord does, so it's kind of one of those things you just got to trust the Lord on.
0: Yeah. I think that's such an interesting question, and I, I would totally understand how people have difficulty with that. Like when Osama bin Laden was, when he was killed by Army Rangers and I remember that night people took to the streets and they were chanting USA and I thought I don't know that God is there. So there's this to me there's this tension in all of that of I think what I would hear God saying in that situation is yes President Obama it was right for you to make that call to the guys to go in and and perform their duty of protecting Americans, and that God can be okay with that, and at the same time say, but this beautiful creation of mine was destroyed in the process, and grieving that at the same time. So, I think that's how I look at it is, yeah, there is justice in life, and sometimes that means these things happen. But I was not prepared to go to the street and start chanting and just having a great time that this person was dead.
1: Celebrating the death of a human.
0: Yeah, yeah, that just makes us. The other yeah. thing, and again, I, I was, I did a post on TikTok the other day about Rush Limbaugh, how my heart hurt that he had cancer, while at the same time recognizing that he's done a lot to destroy our culture. I think he's done yeah. some very horrible. I think he built a very horrible genre of media. But yeah. But so a lot of people were like, "Yeah, get him, give him cancer." Oh. But. My thing is, I don't want to become the other side of the same coin. I want to keep my heart pure. So I guess that's how I see it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I see it the same way. And especially when I think just a more recent one was when Trump got COVID. There was a lot of the left side that were like, that's what you deserve. And I'm like, oh, gosh, guys, that's (laughs) (laughs) no, we can't do that. (laughs) We're trying to spread love. You can't say. Show love and, like, cheer that your president got COVID.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, give me love and grace, but then let me hold against others. That's really good. Were you always a a curious kid uh, or a contrarian kid or a kid that, is this a new thing for you to step out of your box?
1: Oh, this is very new. Very <laughs> I, growing up, I was always the kid to stay inside the box, not color outside the lines kind of thing. I was who I was told to be. I believed what I was told to believe. And the only time I ever colored outside the box uh, or outside the lines was when I left ministry, which I call it a cult because it has very cult, strong cult tendencies. Is was when I stepped out of that box and I left that uh, ministry was the first time in my life I ever stepped out of my box. And then this year is the first time I've changed my views and been okay in a sense being the black sheep and having a different view and being okay with that. I have One of my best friends, we talk on the daily, her and I have very different political views, but we're still good friends. And so I've come to a point where I'm okay having different views than other people, but it's also still very uncomfortable. And it's a process and it's a learning. It's a whole new learning ball game of how to manage that and how to be okay, not caring if somebody judges me for my view and not letting it affect me. Because used to, I would let it affect me big time. And I've had to learn who I am and be strong in that. And it's still a process. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow, you just said a lot that I want to dig into there. And so let's first start talking about the cult. Yeah, there's a lot I want to talk about from that. And so I I was reading your blog on the the 10-year letter. Mm -hmm. And so tell us about that. This is your sort of processing through of leaving a cult. So what made this ministry a cult in your mind?
1: So... When I joined it, there were already rumors from people outside the ministry that said it was a cult. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> but the things that made it a cult in my eyes were there was a covenant that we had to sign and we had to live by a very strict set of rules. And the,
0: the leader, Like what kind of rules?
1: So there was like you weren't allowed to date. You weren't allowed to listen to secular music. You weren't allowed to drink or smoke. You weren't allowed to get tattoos. And it wasn't that we thought that people like in leadership should just hold themselves to a higher standard. It was that we legitimately thought that anybody that partook in any of these kind of activities was sinful and we judged them for it. And by signing this covenant, we put ourselves on a pedestal and we had the mentality of we were like holier than everybody else that walked the earth, (laughs) which made us very judgmental and to other people. The as the ministry went on, there was a lot that I started to see that were red flags to me in the sense of it aligning with a cult. So, the leadership there was a lot of abusive ministry funds, there was not like the accountability that you would see in a typical church or organization. There were some lies that went around that I found out afterwards, like stuff that was hidden from public knowledge, Um, trying to think. Oh, I tried to leave a couple times because I was just not, it wasn't my thing anymore. I wasn't aligning with their beliefs. And I tried to leave a few times and I was a teen. So I was in college and I started college early. I started my six, around 16 years old. I started college. And had graduated early. So I was very young. I was very impressionable. Didn't have the best childhood. So it made me even more vulnerable. <laughs> and so when I tried to leave a few times, the pastor told me that by me leaving, I was sacrificing my parents' salvation and, and my family's salvation. And so I, that weight was very heavy for me. And as a teen, I was unwilling to bear that weight.
0: Oh, of course.
1: Me, but yeah, it always got me coming back. And there was a lot of manipulation, a lot of control for a lot of the members. Yeah, so the, the manipulation, the control, the abusive ministry funds, the co- the covenant, and things like that just stood out that it was a cult. And also, if a member quit, they were shunned. Like you weren't allowed to be friends with them. I got in trouble for having a friend that was outside the ministry. I would get talked to all the time. Why are you friends with her? And she was a Christian, but I was made to feel like I wasn't allowed to be friends with her because she wasn't in the ministry. Yeah, it had a lot of those strong cult tendencies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And to put your family's salvation on the shoulders of of a young person is, that makes me want to beat somebody up. I got to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And
1: not a lot of people knew that had happened because it was, I was going to leave and I'd have a talk with him. And then he was very good at convincing you to stay. And he used that against me multiple times that mm-hmm. I, and there was so much hypocrisy as well. Like we were told that we were supposed to be representations of Christ everywhere we went. And that even meant like how we spent our money and Especially going to school and going to class and making sure we're on time and we don't miss classes. The pastor was in college and he missed class like multiple times a week, and then dropped out after a couple of weeks. It was as if we were held held to a different standard yeah. than himself, which was very hard for us as teens. We we're like, this isn't fair.
0: <laughs> yeah. So all of that began to make you think. And, and so, what did the stepping out process? How did that go? And that. When you're not only changing your beliefs, but leaving your community behind, it's almost like a death in the family.
1: It was a huge mourning process. And I'm so thankful that how it happened. And it's a long story, so I'll try to sum it up really quick. But I left for the summer and I I did work about four hours away. So I was withdrawn from the ministry at that time in a sense. And I was going to a church and I met my husband. And so through an amazing series of events, his parents and his family who have amazing relationships with the Lord helped me see the cult mentality and how toxic this relationship was. And so I left and I didn't leave on good terms. I didn't handle the situation very well. And I will definitely own that one, but I was a teen, and I was scared and I've tried to make amends as I've gotten older with how I left, but it just took a few years after that to really process through that. There were so many rumors. Yeah. My husband and I got married very quickly and there were so many rumors that I was pregnant and all of this horrible things about me, which were all untrue. <laughs> and so it took me a couple of years to work through the process of, of mourning and healing. And honestly, in ways I am still walking through that journey of healing
0: hmm. yeah. so often we blame the victim of abuse and so trust me there's never a point where you say hey you did a really poor job of getting out from under that abuse i i think you get out however you can
1: that is true i didn't yeah. think of it that way <laughs>
0: So I, I think far too often we put the impetus on the victim of abuse to, to honor and fix things, and I'm just kind of done with that. If I can absolve you of any of that guilt now, as we grow and we get healthier and say, hey, I didn't have any other way to do that, but now I have some tools to go back and revisit this, I'm all for that. I think it's really healthy and powerful. Yeah. But, yeah, let's if, if you're listening to this podcast or watching us on YouTube, and you're in an abusive situation, just get out. If it's messy yeah. and ugly and you make a mess, we'll yeah. deal with that later. Just get out of the abuse. So. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> it, it's it's interesting in your story. Like I said, there's a lot that I would love to unpack, but being a very sort of complicit young person for your life, you're a unicorn. It's pretty rare. <laughs> Maybe what it's, what is rare is that you're getting you're going through this transformational time, but doing it like in a really healthy way. Cause I definitely, there are times when we just go F it and screw right. everybody and we throw all our beliefs out. And and yeah. I, I did this in my life. I'm like, I'm an atheist and I reject all my Christian roots and all of that stuff. We can have that big swing. So I'm, right. I'm just really fascinated that I, what did you cling to? How, how did you say I'm still a Christian But I'm just not going to believe some of the things the way they were and stay rooted like that. I guess I could use that term from your blog.
1: Yeah. Knowing, like God has done so much in my life that I can't pin or point to anybody but him. And I know that's truth. And so he's done so much and he's protected me in so many ways or saved me in so many ways and made such an impact that I don't think I could have my pendulum swing to the opposite end because I know he's real and I know his faithfulness. And so I think because of the times in my life that he has made such a huge impact that it has protected me from going to the opposite end of the spectrum. And I think it's helped me see that something necessarily isn't wrong, that there's just more to the story that we aren't being told. And that's digging into the Bible and the culture of the times when this was written. And I, I've correlated it for people that it's if we talk about a racist situation right now and we talk about that same racist situation back in, let's say, 1950s and 1960s, the cultures are very different. So the stories are going to be different based on the culture that's surrounding it. And so, by learning more of the story, by learning more of the history, we can have a better understanding as a whole instead of just taking one verse out of the Bible and running with it, if that makes sense.
0: yeah. Yeah. We hear that a lot. And you were saying about learning to be okay with being the black sheep. How much were you the black sheep? How have people reacted around you as you've been in this 2019-2020 process?
1: a lot of it, I'm just now recently like opening up, especially on social media, on where I'm standing, and especially on certain issues with family, I've opened up a little bit and shared with them. And some of the conversations have been really hard and really uncomfortable for both parties. And we're both trying to figure this out as we go as we're sitting on, you know, two different ends of the spectrum, or we're holding two different views, but still want to be in, in communion and connection with each other and in relationship and some have been not the nicest while others have come right alongside me and are on the exact same journey I'm on and that's been probably the most uplifting thing is finding other people within the community especially people I know very dear to me who understand on a completely different level because they're walking this same journey and it's just beautiful to have that community and understanding I actually had a friend reach out and say that she wanted to go have coffee and talk about everything that's going on. And I just was very honest with her. And I said, I would love to have coffee with you, but I have to be honest. I'm very, I'm terrified (laughs) because some of the things that have changed this year are not widely accepted by the Christian community. And I do have a fear of losing relationship because of how much I lost when I left the cult. I left. I lost everything. I lost the house I was living in. I lost the family. I lost my friends. I lost my job. I lost school. Wow. So I, I know that's a trigger for me. And I know that's a really, that's something that I'm trying to work through, but trying to be open and honest about the journey that I'm on is hard. It's terrifying because you, you're never going to have everybody on your side. Your, people are never going to come alongside with your view a hundred percent. And so you have to be okay with the opposition. And that's a process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know you're still very much in the middle of it. So this may not even be a fair question, but are you glad to be on the journey? Or Do you wish you could go back to, <laughs> I guess this is the old matrix, red pill, blue pill thing. Do you yes. wish you didn't know what you, you know now?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I have said this so many times and I actually just talked to my husband about this last night is the fact that there are times where I get so mad at God for just a moment and I'm like, why did you have to open my eyes? (laughs) (laughs) Why did I have to see the other side? Like, why couldn't I just go back and be in my little box and not rock the boat? But then at the other side of the coin, I see the fruits of all of it. I see that my relationship with the Lord is better than it ever has been. I see that my knowledge of the Bible is more than it ever has been. And my heart for community and for like love and it, really knowing what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus and trying to see what that's like in my life and how I can implement in my life that in my life is, it's way better than any of the other stuff. So, it's. I feel like I, I'm both sides. I have moments where I'm frustrated, but then I know that it's all good, and that I'll come at the out the other end and be even more grateful for it. But yes, I have those moments where <laughs> I wish I could turn back time.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's. I think that's a really important thing because I, I, again, I'm encouraging people like get on this journey. But but it's when you unhook one thing, then another it's the string in the sweater right once so for you it was abortion and then you start pulling on that string and then other things start coming right
1: yes it feels like one hit after the other (laughs) and even my husband said this morning he's trying really hard he's trying to understand this and he's not on the same journey as me which is okay we're just trying to figure out what this looks like for us and this morning he's I, I just wanted one day and something happened and he's. I feel like we take one step forward and 10 steps back. I'm like, I know it's so hard, but we're trying really hard to make it through this. And it is like the string in the sweater. You pull one and it's every time I feel like it's daily. Every time I turn around, I'm getting hit with something else or huh, it's a season. <laughs>
0: I think that's really important for people to know. It, this, yeah. I, I, you know, one one day, my wife was talking about something. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember she's, like, do we still believe that? You know, <laughs> do, 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 can we still do this? And it just it was just a, a reminder to me of how difficult our personal journey is for those around us, yeah. and. And in some ways, sort of, m- part of my call in life is to be a disruptor, and so I say things that are really difficult, and it's been difficult for some, particularly people who are in my church in the past, to follow along. But yeah, yeah just being really gentle with those around us and just say, hey, I'm, I get it, this is tough, and just trust me while I'm on this journey a little bit, trust that we'll land somewhere together that we can be on this journey and not have to be in exactly the same place and still be able to be okay. I think those are all really important things that you're expressing there.
1: Yes, and it's very hard. It's hard to go from being on the same page to not being on the same page and then figuring out, okay, how do we navigate this new season of life? And unfortunately, it's not something that you can fix in a day. It takes time. And I'm still on it, so I can't tell you how long it takes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And I've actually been on it for quite a while. (laughs) So, I don't know either what the end of that tunnel looks like. But so, you you said your knowledge of the Bible has increased. Can you give an example of that? Where is someplace that something has been enlivened to you in the Bible that you hadn't really seen before?
1: Just uh, realizing that the differences in the translations of the Bible and how words are translated differently or how one word can be translated into multiple different words. So then our English language, for example, I'm gonna say it wrong, I'm gonna butcher it, butcher it, but I think it's Shiloh or Shiloh is-
0: "shiel" the, the term hell. for hell?
1: Hell, yes. So no. in the King James version at one- at some now, point,
0: now listen to me, I say, Sheol, like I know, but it, <laughs> that's how it's spelled in my mind. But I may have that totally wrong as well.
1: So it's translated into hell, it's translated into grave, and it's also translated into pit. So for us in the English language, we see that as three completely separate things, but it's translated as hell. Or it's, you know, that one word's translated to three different words. So just trying to dig in and say, okay what does that mean? Is there more behind this that I'm not understanding? And trying to learn more of the culture of that time in history, which I'm very new to this. And I'm barely I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface. And honestly, I I have ADHD. So I can't sit down and digest all this information at one time. So little pockets of information are how I learn. So TikTok has been the best thing for me during this season. And I have found some amazing creators that I have followed that are Bible scholars and theologists, or however you say that, they've been to school and done all the things. And so hearing, taking it from so many different perspectives and then putting it together has been helpful. And yeah, that's a journey. I'm yeah. still barely in due.
0: <laughs> that was a revelation to me in all of this that you can be Christian and disagree on even on hell now that that was one I thought we all knew it was definite it was clear and then I started doing some study on it and was like oh my gosh this isn't nearly as clear yes. as, as I believed why don't we ever tell each other this you know uh,
1: no <laughs> that's why TikTok has been so amazing it's opened my eyes to so much and I think that's what's hard for people is when you start questioning things that like this, that we've been taught our whole life, they start feeling like you're questioning God himself or Jesus himself. And I have to always go back to just because this is the journey I am on. Doesn't mean I'm questioning God or I'm questioning Jesus and his mission and everything or heaven. It's, I still believe in all of that. It's just all these other little things that may be not, the way that we were taught. And so I think that's hard for people because they feel like we're questioning God not little bits and pieces of the what we've been taught.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really well said and yeah, I wish we could talk for a few more hours on that cuz I <laughs> even and it just it scares people around me sometimes but I'm like, guys, do you recognize that the canon of the Bible was like argued over. People disagreed that these were the 66 books of the yeah. Bible. And, and there's a slight chance that they may not have gotten it all right, and yeah. there are chapters in there that some argue shouldn't be in there. So, I think if we could just agree, it's an amazing, mysterious book that inspires my life and I'm not tossing it out by any stretch of the imagination, but I also want to be realistic about what it is Right. in large part so when kids go off to school, they don't get told another story and it all makes sense that they're able to hold their theology loosely and not have to give up their faith because right. their theology gets trashed by somebody out there.
1: One of the things I learned was actually from you when you were talking about the part in the Bible, it says Jesus wept and how we see that as my interpretation of that was like, oh, he cried, it's so cute. When you were talking about the culture and the interpretation of it was that no, he was like wailing and I'm like, that's a whole totally different perspective from crying to wailing. So that, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things. One of my favorites, in fact, someday I want to do a series on like really misused verses in the Bible and one of them that i hear more than any that i really hate is the poor you'll always have with you. and so people say that we're always going to have the poor. And I'm like, no, do you know that's not even close to what jesus was saying in that passage and it's he was quoting a scripture from deuteronomy from a passage that then he it's like me saying if the world gives you lemons Thought, you automatically fill in the rest of it in your head, and Jesus was saying the poor you will always have with you, and then they filled in the rest in their head, which is the rest of that Deuteronomy passage, which is, and your job is to take care of those poor people, and so he was actually like mocking the uh, the people in the house there. Anyway, a, a long yeah. way around of saying sometimes we just take that verse and go here, see, and then you have to dig into it deeper and go. You know, that, that's not what was being said in the context of the culture and the Bible and everything else. So, I'm totally with you on that. Yes. <laughs> and it's uh, to me, it starts to be a fun adventure then, too, to say, wow, what what else is there in there? So, right. it's, a, it's a great adventure you're on. And so, again, very early in this process for you, do you have some sense of a bigger purpose for all of this for you at all? Can you even begin to imagine anything like that for you?
1: Um, I think for myself personally, I don't know like making my impact on the world, but for myself personally, I think it's more of getting out of comfortable Christianity because I have felt so lukewarm for so long and been stuck in my little bubble that my, my hope and my belief is that through this process, I will learn how to truly be the hands and feet of Jesus and get out of the comfortable little place that I have created over the last 10 years and learn to get a little messy. Jesus was messy. He was out and amongst the people and we see churches, these four walls, and I'm like, Jesus was so beyond the four walls and I want to be beyond the four walls. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know where it's going, but I'm trying to let the Lord guide me and be willing to go and do whatever that is at the moment. Um,
0: So, that is spectacularly beautiful. And thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm just ruminating on that a bit to be willing Jesus was just willing to sit with people that cost him his reputation mm-hmm. and potentially cost him his career and I would say in the story of the the woman caught in adultery put his life in yeah. danger for yeah. a woman that even today's Christians would say was a woman of ill repute who was having sexual relationships out of wedlock the, all our christian terms and and I guess that's who I want to be. That's the beauty of the journey is I want to be more willing to be in front of the rock throwers than to be within the rock throwers. So, yeah, right. that's really cool. Love that. Love that you're doing that. That's really amazing. And now you're doing this blog and you wrote this 10-year letter and you're doing it. So, what can we expect to see more coming out of the Deeply Rooted Mom?
1: Oh, it's just some of the same stuff of helping women find their passion, set goals, and just see beyond our day-to-day. And I'm hoping that I am able to, I'm doing the emotional wholeness and well-being coaching with you, which plug that, it's really good. And anybody and everybody should sign up for it. Just going to throw that out there for you. (laughs) Love
0: it. Love it. I did not set that up by any stretch.
1: (laughs) Uh, Not a paid advertisement. (laughs) But Now, see, okay, my ADHD brain is, I lost my track of...
0: Yeah, we were talking about the blog and what's going to happen on the blog coming up. Okay,
1: so I'm hoping to have more posts on just helping give advice on a healing journey and finding wholeness and being confident in who you are and emotional well-being. So as I learn what you're teaching me and our group, I'm hoping to pour that out to others on my blog and just be a resource and comfort for for those.
0: Oh, that's that's awesome. And do you know of Rachel Held Evans? I don't. Okay, so this is somebody you're going to have to get familiar with. So she passed away, I think about three or four years ago, tragically, I think to cancer, but she started blogging and it ruined her life forever. Just (laughs) because God began to take her on a journey. And then, in sharing that journey with the world, her life changed dramatically, and she lost her community and a whole lot of other things but but impacted the world through being very transparent and sharing that change with the world. so I could see that being your journey and, and really being uh, a door opener for some and then a healer for people as they walk through that door. so excited to see where that goes for you
1: thank you i am I'm feeling all the emotions I'm excited i'm nervous and I'm terrified because <laughs> it's the internet. So we all know how the internet goes and people say things behind a keyboard that they would not normally say if they were in front of your face. So yeah. always going to have that kind of backlash. So try to get some thick skin.
0: <laughs> yeah. Getting comfortable with getting the black sh- or with being the black sheep. You can, you, yeah. can do it. you can do it. Lacey, this has been awesome. I appreciate you being on your journey and sharing it tonight. I think as you've listened to other podcasts that have ministered to your your spirit and your core, I think this will be one that gives other people permission to do that walk too. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's such a huge honor.
0: Very cool. All right. So tell us again, where can people find you on social media?
1: on social media so my handle on all platforms is at the deeply rooted mom and then my blog is the deeply rooted mom.com. and then if you want to email me it's lacy l-a-c-i at the deeply rooted mom.com.
0: very cool all right lacy awesome thanks for being with us we'll see you again
1: thank you